You know, uh, the, I don't give you a lot of feel-good messages. I realize that. I usually am doing some kind of teaching or pointing out. Of late, I've been pointing out all the human faults within all of our biblical characters so that we can feel better about ourselves. Now, to learn lessons, the lessons that the Bible teaches us. Um, but I, I realize that a lot of times I don't have you maybe walking out of here feeling really, really good. So I wanted to just kind of take a break today and just let you enjoy a very good feel-good message. Can you unmute this mic for me, Blake, this podium mic? Because this was my Hanukkah gift, and I have feeling that it will really be the thing that's going to help you to have this great time. I declare that you have a sound mind filled with good thoughts, not thoughts of defeat, but thoughts of faith. You are well able, you are anointed, you are equipped, you are empowered. Your thoughts are guided by God's word. No obstacle can defeat you because your mind is programmed for victory. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> You know, I had this elaborate thing planned out where I wanted to lip sync everything that Joel just said right there and just play it. But of course, I realized something. I got that. It was it's a gag gift because obviously we don't I mean, I don't have one thing in the world against Joel Osteen as a human being. I don't know much of anything about Joel Osteen other than a lot of people make fun of him. Um, and so I have been, I sometimes jokingly listen, press that when people are in my office and things like that. You want to know something really humbling and terrible? Even Joel Osteen says great things if you just can kind of peel back the layers of some of the other things, which I, first of all, this is unnecessary to say any of this, but we got a lot of time to waste at Shabbat. Who am I, who am I to judge any man, first of all, in what they're doing, you know, in terms of their effort for the kingdom? It got, that's ultimately God's job. But secondly, Pirkei Avot comes to mind where it says, Who is wise? He who learns from all men and women. And so I'm not saying that you need to go out and get all of Joel's books or Andy Stanley's books or, you know, people that we have fairly strong theological differences with. But the lesson here is don't ever discount another human in terms of something that they may be teaching you. Even They might even be teaching you exactly how not to be in the world. You ever thought about that? We learn lessons from everyone. And today we learn lessons from trees. Because I hope that you have been thanking God for the trees this week after this message. Because, you know, today they're going to do you a favor and they're going to teach you a lesson about life and how to live it more abundantly in advance of our Tubishvat Seder. Last night, or last night, last week, we got down in the dirt and we talked about the, 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 the basics of Tubishvat, why there is a holiday for trees. And I taught you the origins and the, the purposes of Tubishvat, the 15th of Shabbat. So here's your quiz. What does the two mean in Tubishvat? Bad start. 
Bring me the inspiration cube. <laughs> no, just kidding. Two letters meaning two numbers. Two bishvat means the 15th, one five of Shavat. Okay? How many New Year's are in the Jewish calendar? Four, thank you. What is the primary reason that we have these four New Year's? What are they used to define? Tithes, very good. Where are the tithes derived? The Bible, the Torah, teaches us about what we're supposed to tithe when there's a temple. The season of Tu B'Shvat, this is a minor holiday with biblical significance. We looked at that from Leviticus 19 and determining the tithes. It's a practical way of knowing when the fruit can be eaten from the trees. We talked about Leviticus 19. It's a way to thank God for the spring that's coming. It's a way to thank God for the provision of the earth that comes forth, particularly as we begin to see it this season. We talked about the seven species that will consume wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and honey, also from the Torah, Deuteronomy 8. And what we didn't talk about is the powerful personal connection that resides within this weird idea of a new year for trees and what you can actually learn. You know, Yeshua, Yeshua has a lot of agricultural parables and metaphors. He says, but what fell in rich soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the message, hold on to it with a good receptive heart and persevering, they bring forth a harvest. That's about making disciples, which really equates to making a better world. And it also allows us to draw some lessons from Tubishvat. It's a great time for renewal to get involved in repairing the world. In repairing the world. Now, how? Why does this matter to me? Why does this matter? Well, I wonder if you have given any thought or ever given any thought to what's happening in the trees out there right now. We talked about it a little bit and why the 15th of Shavat got this, got this uh, designation as the new year. But if you think about what's happening in the cold, leafless, primarily mostly leafless trees, brown, no color, they've lost last year what sustained them, but branches are bare, they're vulnerable, they're exposed. But inside of the tree, something very different is happening. What did we say defined Tubishvat as why Rabbi Hillel said this is the time? Because this is when the sap begins to rise in the trees. This is when something internal is beginning to happen. Those trees are preparing to receive what God will provide for them this year. Nutrients, soil, light, water, and something remarkable is happening. Now, new life getting ready to spring forth in the spring, and there's absolutely no question that God will do that. And the great miracle of these trees, they are going to be ready to receive what God is going to pour out for them. That's what trees do. They stand there, and then they produce, whether a flower, beautiful leaves, blossoms, food, which we can subsist on. They take what God provides spread out their roots and produce, and they will grow. And do you know what else trees are actively involved in? Tikkun olam. What's it mean? Repairing the world. Trees are a major part of the air we breathe. 
They are constantly repairing the world with the work that they do. Now, why does this new year matter to you? Because it's a reminder among many reminders that we can draw to be thankful and expectant for what Hashem desires to do in your life and to get yourself ready. What fell in rich soil brings forth a rich harvest. Now, one could argue right now, Rabbi, we're talking about trees. They're, yes, they're living. They have these cellular structures, but they're trees. They're inanimate objects. David would disagree with you. We just sang it today. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, obviously, that's a, that's a, a, it's a figurative thing. But, but let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that fills it. Let the fields exalt and all that is in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. I read a, a, a fantastic book about redefining creation in the heavens and the earth. And it talks about how all of the, the Bible's designation of all these inanimate objects that will praise God, the mountains, the rocks, the trees, all of these things, where they were created by God. And that within everything is some essence of God. So it's a little unfair to classify the trees as being lifeless. But here's the important part. You are like a tree. How do I know that? Because the Bible compares you to one in multiple, multiple places, particularly Jeremiah as a good example. Psalm 1 as another great example. Blessed is the man who trusts in Adonai. Adonai will be his security. He will be like a tree planted near water. He or she will be like a tree planted near water. It spreads out its roots by the river. It does not notice when heat comes. Its foliage is luxuriant. It's not anxious in a year of drought, but keeps on yielding fruit. Man, don't you wish you could be as good as that tree in the world? Does not have anxiety? Doesn't freak out when the world heats up and gets weird? It's not anxious in a year of drought. It just keeps on producing. They don't know God like you, but he speaks to you through the life cycle. And let's consider some parts. Let's, let's consider the leaves on the trees. Leaves pull in what? Leaves are the source of the, the tree's nutrients. They pull in carbon dioxide, right? CO2 and water, and they use the energy of the sun to convert this into chemical compounds that ultimately become sugars inside the tree and feed the tree. Where are the leaves now in most trees? They are on the ground. They are wet, muddy, decaying leaves. The tree had to let them go. The tree just you know, it doesn't need that anymore. That was for last year, okay? Now, what happens with those trees is that as they fall and they decay, they are producing on the ground nutrients for the soil around the tree. And so, for many of us, we could consider our experiences as leaves, 
And how many had a perfect year last year? Never had anything go wrong. Everything was just as you planned. You have nothing that you could ever muster a complaint about because the world was perfection for you. How many people were treated badly by anyone last year? How many people made a mistake in how they treated someone else last year? Imagine those are your leaves, okay? Those are your little things that happen. And guess where they are right now? On the ground, decaying, done, over, past. So what you need to do is those things provide for you experience nutrient around your soil. You learn from everything you do, Joel Osteen's Inspiration Cube included. You learn, and the leaves that you drop from experiences, both positive and negative, continue to provide you spiritual and mental nourishment. And they, ha- they feed the development of new experience, your old experiences that you've shed. And so we are connected in this, and, and, you know, now you say, wow, Damien, pretty new age, bro. Sounds like you're smoking the leaves <laughs> of something. Well, if it's new age, I'll tell you this. The Bible is pretty new age then. Jeremiah, I told you, he'll be like a tree. Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon, Lebanon, planted in the house of Adonai. Isaiah 65, they will not build and others live there. They will not plant and others eat. For the days of my people will be like the days of a tree. And my chosen will themselves enjoy the use of what they make. Yeshua, he compares himself to a tree. I am the vine. We are compared to a fig tree. I'm scratching the surface on tree analogies in the biblical text, but there are lessons to learn. Now, here's a strange question to ponder about trees. Why in the world do you think it is that God sets the trees apart for three years and you can't touch them? You can't eat their produce. In the fourth year, it goes to God. In the fifth year, you can finally eat it. Why do you think that is? I don't know, but I have an idea. It is a tree to form, it is necessary for a tree to form what in the ground? Roots, one must have roots. Young fruit trees have misdirected zeal. They want to produce all these blossoms and blooms, and then I have a lime tree I've been waiting like five years for it to do something with. It finally completely died this year when it turned minus 12, so I'll start over. But it would produce limes like this big, and a lot of them, and then they just fall off, and they never did anything. That was an unestablished root system in a fruit tree, and it's in Macon, not in Florida. That's probably the bigger issue. But for the point of this message... Roots are necessary. You have to establish roots. You want to produce fruit that is mature, but if you don't have root systems in a tree, they don't have the maturity to do that. And thus the fruits are orla. We talked about it. They're off limits. You actually cut the tree back, right, as it's growing and maturing. You don't let it do that. It's supposed to be working underground. And the truth is, for some of us, we have a pretty good, like, a good life. We live a pretty good life. Like we go to work, we, we treat our family nicely, and, and there's just good. But Yeshua said those that are in rich soil will produce a harvest, a big harvest. And he talks about the harvest being rich and few workers. 
If our root system is not well nourished or established, even after however many years, I've been a believer since I was a day old. If you don't have any roots, it doesn't matter. You have no foundation. And the foundation, of course, that we find in the roots is Etzchayim, the tree of life, which is the Torah. The days of my people, when a, when a, when a tree is well-rooted, did you know that a mature tree, a healthy, ungrafted tree, can live for more than 2,000 years and still produce fruit, actually? Still produce fruit. And so what I would say is, in terms of whatever you've done up to this point, you take some time, and this is a, a, a recollection period of this. It's a time to make sure that your root system is well established and that you're devoting yourself to producing a harvest. And, and you know, every person, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, you, God willing, have time um, to take this tubishvat opportunity and think about some of the deep roots that you need in God so that you can produce harvest out here. And I'll tell you something interesting about the Parsha, this Beshalach Parsha that is re read this week. Pharaoh had let the people go. God did not guide them to the highway that goes through the land of the, Philistine, of the Philistines because it was close by. God thought that the people upon seeing war might change their minds and return to Egypt. Rather, God let the, led the people by a roundabout route through the desert by the Sea of Suf. So there was a direct path. They didn't take it. They actually wandered through the desert, and they ended up staying in the desert a lot longer than they planned to, right? Was that a mistake? Well, you could say, well, they made a mistake, but God doesn't make mistakes. And the desert is actually where the deepest roots are generally found, in deserts, temperate, coniferous forest, tundra, all these places where you have Bamidbar in the wilderness, roots are forced to grow deep. And we talk during Passover, or after Passover, we talk about the Omer, where Israel was ascending out of the depths of depravity in Egypt and rising up to go to Mount Sinai. And so they had this journey of root formation, getting rid of that stuff, getting grounded in the roots of God. And then it turns out, just after they get the Torah, no, we're not ready at all for this. We're going to spend 40 years in the desert developing a root system that counts on God. All provision came from Him, everything. So you find, even in your life, and there are people who take time in the wilderness as a very negative thing. Again, their experience. I, I just, I had a terrible year and a terrible life and I've, I feel like I've been in the wilderness for so long and, well, guess what? That's where you root. That is sometimes in the difficulties of life where you set your deep roots for the next big challenges. So you either complain about it or let it grow, as Eric Clapton said in a different context. He was talking about wacky leaves to smoke. No, he wasn't. It's a good song. So when we are looking at man as being a tree, and oh, by the way, let me just, let me just contrast that. The, 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 the complainer in the wilderness who has no roots, 
Aren't we always amazed by the person who's been through hell and back? They've been through terror. They've had disease. They've lost relatives, children. They, without a job. I mean, so many different things. And you look at them and they're like, I'm just going to keep on going, man. I'm just going to keep on pushing. We're like, wow, I admire your faith. Faith is roots. Faith is roots and drawing from the source of all good in the world. That's how those people do it. They're well-rooted. They believe that God will provide the nourishment. And what does nourish a tree? Soil, water, air, and light. Not our oxygen air, but soil, water, air, and light. However, what was sown on rich soil is the one who hears the message, understands it. Such a person will surely bear fruit a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Your foundation, as I just said, your nutrition is found in this book, the Torah. And not only in the commandments. People think of Torah study and they say, well, we've got to get in there and study the commandments. We've spent a lot of time studying the Torah about people and their lives. There's more to study and more to learn than just the commandments. And people, I often hear, gosh, it's not relatable at all. It's a really, it's, it's an old book. You know, there's nothing in there that I can relate with. Listen, I just spent a week digging through the Bible, finding ways for me to be able to compare you to a tree. You can find anything in there, I promise you. It's relatable if you'll be open to it. If you can learn in the ways that God will teach you. The easiest way to destroy a tree, outside of burning it down, destroy the roots. There are two ways to destroy the roots. Changes in soil depth around trees can cause an injury to root systems. The addition of four to six inches of soil over a root zone reduces the amount of oxygen and water available to the roots. Anyone feel like the world ever loves to just pack a bunch of crap on top of you? It spoils out your roots. It steals your root system. There's another way, though. You can pull it back. If you expose, you can, you can saturate and just pile on and pile on. You can also dig out and expose the root system. And when they're exposed to the elements, that will also kill the tree. That is the way that the world wants us to feel, wants us to feel that we're out there in the world, vulnerable, the evil world trying to convince us all, well, God's a lie, you're weird, you're weak for believing any of this stuff, religion as the crutch of man, right? But then there's one last way that's really important that you can kill a tree. Over-fertilization. Do you know what fertilizer is made out of? There's a lot of theological poo-poo in the world <laughs> that people want to confuse you to death with and have you wandering aimlessly through the world. We need to know what we're putting into our soil for our roots. Water is also obviously important, not sufficient, not providing water will kill a tree. A tree can't produce water on its own. It takes what's given, it uses it, you're not going to get far without water. Sufficient water, I am the water of life, who said it? Your Messiah said it. 
I am the water of life. Now on the last day of the festival, Hashanah Rabbah Yeshua stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him keep coming to me and drinking. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his inmost being. You must have, you must have a source of living water within you. Air is very, very important. The tree needs to breathe, so to speak, and they absolutely do. But, but a tree just doesn't breathe in. They breathe out, which is what I was saying before, gives you, gives you this oxygen-producing trees. And you know what? That is what you're supposed to do. What does ruach mean? It means wind. It means breath, right? When you breathe in, when the ruach hakodesh is within you as breath, you are exactly like a tree in this way. People love to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what I can do and I can prophesy and do all this other kind of stuff. I am thoroughly 100% convinced that God never gave the Holy Spirit to anyone for you to take it in and hold it in rather than to breathe it in and breathe it out to help other people. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's given. And so you, like a tree, breathe and have been filled with this amazing breath of God, which in turn you are supposed to breathe out the life-giving spirit and light. Absolutely nothing happens without light. The whole thing dies without the sun. The tree is done in its energy. So, not to just be as unbelievably cheesy as I can be here, but what about the sun in your life? John 8, Yeshua spoke to them. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light which gives life. And so the man and the woman are like a tree planted by the water. Soil, water, air, and light. It's interesting to note that the tree draws from what is below the root, which would be our certainly our foundation, but also keep in mind that the tree lives primarily with what's coming from above, right? As we just talked about these elements. So for the man who is like a tree, it is important for you to find nourishment in all of the areas that I talked about. And it's not about how much time did you spend in the Word this week, but nourishing yourself. This is a good recognition point in your life, your spiritual life, to take stock of how much nutrient you are taking in. Because you will not be like a tree, or you'll be like one of these dead ones, or you'll be like one of these ones that nobody likes to look at. People love fruit trees. They love blossoming trees. Why? Because they're beautiful and their harvest is something to see. That's what people want to see in you. That's what God wants to see in you. So you should take stock on Tubishvat of these things. And if the trees are singing to God and clapping their hands for their creator, what is our excuse? We don't have one. We're created in the very image of God, even more beautiful than a tree. 
So I mentioned last week there's this lethargy through the winter, the dormancy of the outside world, and sometimes also for us, it's, it's psychological, it's physiological, and it's certainly spiritual. And so I asked you the question, why does this matter to me? Well, because this is your opportunity for some New Year's resolutions. Not those kind. Do you know the average time that a New Year's resolution lasts? Not very long. So this is why you get a second chance, one month, just basically one month later, because by now you've already forgotten or abandoned all the ones you already made. So these on February, whatever today is, 4th, coming up on the New Year for Trees, are your time to make some real spiritual resolutions along with the trees. And here's what I want you to do. As you watch what's about to happen out there in the natural world, I want this year to be a year of the most incredible gratitude you've ever had for the fact that you're alive to see it, that you're a part of the world, that you can look at God's creation and see within you the same elements and develop over the next season that's coming before it becomes hotter than the flames of hell in Macon. <laughs> Enjoy it. Be thankful for it. Produce fruit. Right? That's what I want you to take away from this message. Why am I like a tree? There's a lot of reasons. Shabbat shalom. Oh yeah, Darren made this for me. I asked him to make it, and then I forgot to use it. This was the original logo of Nechamu Ami Messianic Synagogue, right? And of course, you see what we have here. We have roots, we have leaves, we have olives, we have produce on there, we have harvest. And in the center, tying it all together, is the light and the living water. So that is a picture of what you actually should look like, and I never really realized it until I was thinking about trees recently. You, deeply rooted, rich on the outside with experiences and mitzvot and harvest, and centered squarely in the middle of you is the living water and light of Messiah. Shabbat shalom, my friends. I look forward to seeing... Whoever will be with us tomorrow night as we celebrate us and the trees.